0: And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. Well, 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 look at your attentive ears. Yes, if you listen to our most recent episode of the Inside Cradle here on the Sports Wrestling audio podcast feed, I said I would drop this full, uncut interview With Ollie Wrestling commentator, wrestling legend, the voice of your childhood, good old Jim Ross. 38 minutes under the Atlanta peach tree of wisdom that pro wrestling knowledge has given him. And you'll dive into it. If you really like this interview, please give us a subscribe on whatever podcast app you're on. Or give us a five-star review or both. Yeah, why not both? Do both. And if you haven't done it already, check out Sports Kita on YouTube and Facebook. Watch hours of content for you to watch every single week, including Vince Russo reviewing Monday Night Raw every single Monday night. Dutch Mantel covering SmackDown and much, much more daily news videos, live streams and a whole lot more. more, more, more. You can catch him every Wednesday night with all elite wrestling dynamite and, of course, on the podcast Grilling with Jr. Of course, you can get that a little bit earlier if you're a subscriber to adfreeshows.com. They're launching an even deeper, and I, I would say a must-be-heard piece of audio <laughs> that me as a, a, a wrestling media geek, a podcasting geek, and a radio geek, I need to get a hold of this. Welcome <laughs> to Sports Key Wrestling, the legendary, good old JR, Jim Ross. Jim, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, you, have quite, you have quite a little venture here. Studio Sessions coming to ad-free shows. This is a treasure trove of audio that you produced in the 90s. Very unique piece of audio because this predates kind of like, I don't want to say shoot interviews and social media, but you had several big-name wrestlers at a very unique time coming on this radio show that you did out of Atlanta, uh, revealing some things sort of in character or not of character. Tell me about the show and, and how you guys came about this audio and are able to kind of unearth it again.
1: Well, I started, uh, I was working for WSB radio in Atlanta and they were the, uh, flagship station for the Atlanta Falcons. And so the Falcons, uh, and, uh, and the station wanted to, they're moving into the Georgia dome in 1992. So they were looking at, uh, you know, using me as a third guy in the booth and with, uh, Bill Rosinski and chef van note. And I was kind of a trailer hitch. I just kind of tagged along and. I win something every now and then and give a score to, I did the pregame show, which was three hours long pregame.
0: <laughs>
1: and then I did the halftime stuff. And occasionally I'd, I'd get something on the, on the main uh, feed, but, but I just had a blast. I was a football fan. I riding on the team, playing, eating good food and beating good guys. <laughs> and at the same time I was doing uh wrestling on TBS. So the the team knew who I was. And that was a great source of, uh, discussion conversation. Uh, so I'm talking to the general manager, of the radio station. He said, man, we're happy what you're doing. And you know, you've really been a nice addition. We've upgraded our sta- Our only, only, they kept uh, van note, uh, but they got rid of the play by play guy. They got rid of some other guy, wh- whoever. And so, uh, we're talking, I said, look, I got an idea for another show for a show period. And, uh, I would like to, you to consider, uh, a one hour show of me taking calls. I'll have guests. I'll interview people and there'll be people that, uh, my audience will recognize and know. So they, uh, I said, what do you do at nine o'clock on Sunday nights? Mm. Well, at that time, nine o'clock on Sunday nights was a vast wasteland.
0: Yeah. It's infomercials bought. It, oh yeah. Extras.
1: It, it yeah. followed the, uh. It followed the Georgia football coaches show. So that was at eight o'clock. At nine o'clock they kinda went dark. It did go dark, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Infomercial stuff like that. She said, What about nine o'clock on Sunday nights? I said, I'd love to give it a shot. And uh so we we negotiated, took about ten minutes. I got the hour for free. They collect they they maintained X number of minutes in the hour for ads, their ad sales. They gave me so many minutes for my ad sales, which I had to have an ad department. I didn't have a sales staff. It was just me <laughs> calling people I knew, you know, and uh, thank God for Georgia power. <laughs> a buddy, my name, Bob Hughes was the head head of marketing for them. And he's a big wrestling fan and became a good friend. So, uh, they bought
0: it's from the wrestling fans, right? <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Heck yeah. So yeah. And then some of the licensees that WCW was procuring, you know, I get the lead on that person and give them hey look, it's J.R. calling or Jim Ross at the time and here's what I'm doing. And I think he, I think it'd be fun and it was economical. So we started doing these shows and, uh, when I would do a football game, a home game was easy because the games were over. I would go to the radio station at nine o'clock and do my show when we were on the road. If we're playing the bears in Chicago, for example, I knew we we're going to be home, uh, plenty early, uh, to get, uh, to come to the show when I wasn't there, we're playing the Rams in LA or something, uh, or wherever they were somewhere in Southern California. Uh, I would, uh, had Tony Schiavone set in for me and you know we took a lot of calls. You know, I interviewed, it was interesting because before in 92, most of my guests were either were WCW-related or they were Falcon-related, but they're all about wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh you know, the late Bill Fralick, the great uh, Hall of Fame guard that passed away of cancer a year or so ago, he was a huge wrestling fan. He had a lot rather have been a wrestler than a football player. You find that out a lot, quite frankly. So, uh in any event, they... Uh when the moves changed and I was removed from the air in WCW because I was too southern on a station that was built on John Wayne movies and the Andy Griffith reruns.
0: Yeah. Atlanta GA, yeah.
1: Yeah, man. So uh I uh I started getting WWE guests, which drove a w i was still getting paid by WCW, but I wasn't <laughs> on the air. I said I don't why do you guys care? You said I'm too southern. Who's going to listen to a Southern guy at 9 o'clock on Sunday night? Uh, You know, I don't understand this, uh, your logic. They weren't going to change anything. I was going to continue to do it. But I started getting guests in WWE, including Vince, including Bobby Heenan, including Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. Every top star he had, he wanted on this radio show because he understood the footprint was 37 states, 50,000 watts, clear channel station. And at night, it it boomed. So that's how the show came about. That's how it kind of materialized to what it was. And so a friend of mine that that worked at WCW named Dennis Brent, uh, he and his wife, Lynn, they were both, uh, I worked with both of them in Atlanta and in Stanford, uh, Dennis battling multiple sclerosis now. And so when his health got a little bit better, we, uh, got him to retrieve those tapes, he taped every show. So they got all those little cassettes. You know, we get them to Conrad's people. They do whatever they do technically to enhance the audio and, you know, update whatever. And so we just dropped that to show last week. They're an hour long. The radio shows were an hour long and the, and the guest list, Kevin reads like a who's who. Oh man. And more often than not, the guys are in character and observing the old proverbial kayfabe, but some guys, cheated
0: just for being ornery tell tell, uh, tell me about that what is that dynamic would you know would you because at the time there weren't people doing these types of interviews kind of away from wrestling they were always in character so you have some people come on now, I'm getting the nature boy but suddenly I'm getting Ric Flair a little bit here in, in that circumstance would you know or would it just be like in the moment you just kind of like okay this guy's trying to put something out there
1: no I, well I booked the guest we had it planned you know he was going to come on so we always had one or two guests for the hour and, uh, and, and but they generally had, uh, an agenda, meaning they were promoting an event. Mm-hmm. Could be a pay-per-view could be WrestleMania even could be, uh, a live event someplace, uh, that they, that this will are the whoever I decided to promote this then would come on and he said, I'd like to get you on, get Savage on because he's going to be on. Saturday night's main event, or he's going to be on whatever. Uh, so that we always had a, we always had a destination for the interview. I knew where we were traveling. I didn't know what the most, uh, convenient route was going to be, but that's what it was, you know? So I like that. So my philosophy of calling wrestling, I don't want to know the finish. I don't need to know the finish, uh, sell me on it, go do your thing. And so, uh, that's kind of how that worked. I, but it's, it, it's been really good. It's been really good in that regard regarding uh, the spontaneity of the show, the uniqueness of the show. And a lot of these guys there had never done that much radio, mm. especially to have the freedom that I was going to provide them. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and I think the fans are in for a treat. Because, you know, again, Kevin, they, they, these shows only aired once. Yeah, It's not like they've been around forever. And you got the, you almost got it memorized. So, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, they're all, it's all new. And for a lot of people that weren't even born. And I just, I had a, did an interview later earlier today and I asked this guy, I said, how old were you in 92, he said, I was 10. <laughs> I said, you more than likely weren't staying up until nine o'clock at night. listening no. to the radio show.
0: No, so, I was pushing it with the pay-per-views on some Sundays. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of how that show started,
1: and I'm sure that if I had not left, uh, moved from Atlanta and the home base of the radio station, uh, I because we didn't have all this equipment now. I'm in my guest bedroom.
0: So oh no, it's a little it's, studio. You you could launch a national radio show from any bedroom right now with a decent internet connection right now if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: So anyway, that's what we that's what we rolled out. We we're always trying to roll out new. Content, new part new uh, podcast to hosts. You know, Connor recently brought Jeff Jarrett on board, uh Kurt Angles not been on the air that long. He's been real, both of them are doing really well. Uh then you got Iron, moved to Saturdays, and they changed the format there a little bit, which I think is for the better. Tony Shavani's on Wednesdays. I'm on Thursdays. Eric Bish also on is he on Monday or Tuesday? But I believe we, Tuesday. I, believe I think Tuesday. you're right. Yeah. So we got a good crew of guys and they're all creative and they all want to do something creative without somebody having the gun to their head of a say this, say that, whatever the case may be. So it's uh it's fun. It's going to be a fun thing. I think
0: you, you mentioned, you mentioned working with Vince McMahon on that. And anytime anyone brings up Vince McMahon, obviously the people are going to pay attention. He's, He's, you know, the Spielberg of wrestling. He's at the tippy top of the business, and you had a a very close working relationship for a very, very long time with him. What was it like working with him at this time? Because this is WCW starting to ramp up. They're not there just yet. They haven't gotten... uh, Hulk Hogan hasn't signed over with him, which a lot of people thought was a real shot to the chest of Stanford and, and WWE at the time. But... What was it like working with him at that time? Because it was a different time. There was a real transitional phase. He's trying to build new stars, and and you're in you're involved in there. It seems like a, a challenging time for WWE, and then you're also having him give you things and say like, "Yes, I'll give you this star in this unique, uh, different way." What was that like for you? Very positive, uh, exciting. Yeah, and the thing about
1: WCW, I love living in Atlanta. I'm not going to get on here and try to. Report that living in in Stanford was better than living in Atlanta. Uh, nothing else. Traffic and weather together kills you <laughs> in Stanford. Uh, but he was great. Um, you know, anybody I wanted, really, I got. And what I'd normally do is make it his idea, which I learned that early on. <laughs> I said, "Who do you want to? Who do you want to bring on the radio show?" <laughs> so I got, I got, I got this guy, this guy that, you know, so he'd book it. I said, okay, I'll take this one and this one. Is that okay? And I have this other guy next week, but we always had a reason for having them on an event, a pay-per-view, a TV show, whatever tune in. Uh, so he was, uh, he was great in that, in that regard. So, and we even tried a radio show a radio version and I think it was radio WWF or something at the time.
0: That was my next question. I was going to say it was kind of it kind of parlayed into that
1: kind. Yeah, well, it was you know again. This is before podcasts, streaming things you and I are doing now, Uh, and uh, but he liked the audio component when we had our first meeting that lasted about three hours outside the back door of the Augusta, Georgia (laughs) Civic Center. uh, What a what a a location! (laughs) Yeah, I brought well, it's home of the Masters. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I, I talked with him and give him several ideas that I thought were there, that were viable and new and innovative and he loved it. He loved it. He's so powerful and has such a cast, such a long shadow that he, uh, he, he did. A lot of people were leery of pitching things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, he's a little intimidating. When you're working for, when you're talking to the most powerful man in your world professionally, it can make you pucker a little bit occasionally.
0: I would assume, yeah,
1: yeah, and that's what I used to tell all the guys, new people that we hired, in administration or whatever. Tell me about Vince. What I got? To, what are the do's and the don'ts? Uh, our talent. I said. You, I, I, he said, I want to talk to Vince today. I said, so all those type deals. I said, here's your advice. You take it or you don't. When you talk to Vince, you must converse, never confront. You will not win any confrontation, no matter how good a wordsmith you are, no matter how intimidating you think you may be, no matter how valuable you think you are of the company, it don't matter. Uh, you know, we do work in fiction. He can, he can create any storyline he wants. He can make you or break you, but you need to stay in a positive light and hey, look—that's not a—that's not a sage advice. It's—it's it's accurate, but it really applies to any damn if you've got. Absolutely. Why would, why would you want to become adversarial with your decision maker? No. You're, then you're not dumb. You're not. You're you're not smart enough to work with that company.
0: The, we'll put, the so, culture. The culture someone else to do the play. He'll put somebody else in if he thinks he can get a yeah, different
1: plan. Absolutely. So, uh, but, but this was uh, I I had. The, the, the issues about Vince and I were stemmed from different philosophies about wrestling, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean I was totally wrong or he was totally right. It just means we had a different uh, opinion. I wanted to run the ball. He wanted to throw the ball, but we both loved the game. And that's how I looked at it. So if I lose an argument, I'm not going to die on that hill. I'm going to get my ass up and go leave his office and thank you for his time and go back to work. But that's how we've built our relationship.
0: What was the, you, you mentioned conversation. I was, I was going to ask something else, but it's just a unique relationship and such a profound guy. And you, you did a lot of very historic work with him, the attitude era, the, the rise of the, of Raw as a brand, your talent relations work. Is there any specific conversation maybe that was important or maybe in retrospect isn't a very seismic conversation that was just memorable to you? What you mentioned conversing with him, it, it means something to talk with him. Uh, do you have any memorable conversations with him that you fondly remember at all? Oh,
1: tons of them. You know, you know, him trying to talk me out of hiring Mick Foley. He could have said, no, Jr. I'm not. He, he could have said, he said this about to me on, on a few topics. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's just table it. Okay. Which gave me hope because I, if, if by tabling it doesn't mean I can't bring it back up later. Uh, no. on. No,
0: it's not no. That's right. What <laughs> it wasn't a
1: no. It's just let's table it. Yeah. Uh I he, I came through Gorilla one night after a show, a Raw. And it was a wild night, you know, the two hours of train train wreck and everything out of control and huge crowd, signs everywhere and all that. And he so and I've had these conversations a lot. You always always dreaded going back through Gorilla when the show was over. Because you never knew what you were gonna get. Uh, he's like my dad. My dad was kind of short on compliments. So being raised by the, my father as I was, totally and perfectly prepared me to work for Vince. Same way. He's the boss. He's got to prove it every now and then. Here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I walked back to the grill position one time. He says, uh, uh, God damn. I wish I could clone your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you could
0: too maybe he's got one. Maybe he has one somewhere yeah. in, in the, in the in Titan tower. There's a clone of you, like in a glass case and he's just waiting for the chance to,
1: I just think that was probably the nicest thing you ever said to me.
0: That's so sweet. It is a really sweet thing to say. It's a weird thing to say about somebody, but it's also a very sweet thing because it, it shows the level of your work and, and what you were doing for him. At the time. Yeah. He appreciated it. And uh, I got to the level
1: where I didn't have to say, you know, you think he met Brock Lesnar before I signed him? No. <laughs> John Cena, he didn't want me to hire Randy Orton, but I did uh, because I said, Vince, did you get sent to military school? Did you get a second chance? This kid deserves a second chance. He's got too much upside potential for us to relegate him to some other company. I was said, there just so, an
0: issue? Was there just an issue with Randy? And and just are we are we getting too much trouble? If we're getting too much baggage, or if we bring him in at this time, was I think that- it's
1: a I think it was because of his uh, dishonorable discharge in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and without knowing the story why it happened, it happened. There's always two sides to every story. It's kind of what I relayed, and of course, me steering that course. In, in length in Randy's
0: career. And he spent a good investment for that company. Incredible investment, probably And in, in regard as outside of W he's one of the best performers in the world at the moment. And without in a his, doubt, forties in his forties. Yeah. It. And he's made a lot of money, Kevin. Yeah. A lot and, of money. Uh, yeah. John
1: Cena. He never heard of John Cena in his life. Oh, you know, well, what you know, John he? was, John was out in Southern California, mm. uh, working part-time at several jobs, moving company, uh, uh, truck driver, just a litany of things while he was training with Rick Bassman at uh, UPW and in Southern California. I was out there actually scouting somebody else. I remember who it was now, but, uh, John looked like sting mm. prototype, the blonde flat top haircut. Absolutely. I've seen uh, the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we had our little sit down. I had a lot of sit downs, with these guys, to me, I could tell, you, at least in my version, I didn't need to see somebody work an hour match. I didn't need to see him work four or five times. I can see him work a few times, looking to go through some transitions from offense to defense and how you transition, how do you sell, how do you come back, the basic fundamental processes, and feel comfortable in making a, a somewhat educated decision. Now, the more you saw them, I get that, you're going to have a better feel. But you don't, need to, you don't need to scout him for a year. Mm-mm. And so then we have our sit down and, and uh, we get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And I find out that he's a uh, uh, former all-American, small college, all-American center. I find out that his strength coach is now the strength coach at Oklahoma University. I find out that uh, he knew as much wrestling trivia as anybody that I'd ever been around. So he's a student of the game in the true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. I remember taking a red eye home that night uh, from LA, LAX to New York City. And I, I was so excited meeting this guy that I uh, I went to the office first and I caught Vince there after his workout. And I'm still in my wrinkled sleepy clothes. And he says, uh, What the hell? Where have you, you been? I, said, well, I was in LA last night. Before I told him, have you seen anybody you liked? I said, as a matter of fact, I really did. I think I saw a kid that'll headline WrestleMania in five years or less. He said, I think you need to go home and take a shower. <laughs> You're delusional, <laughs> but I was high on John Cena.
0: Yeah. It, and guess it, what? It turned out. It turned out. <laughs> it turned out. We've never had a
1: harder working guy in this company, at least under my watch, uh, And maybe, I don't know anybody I've ever known that had as much, uh, that did as many, worked as hard as John, you know, he's he's got this insane record of Micah, uh, uh, sessions. And to me, that's so that's real when you're meeting a terminally ill child. And the sad part is that, you know, these children know they're dying. Mm Mm-hmm and he made them feel special, and he did it more than anybody on earth. He's got more make-a-wish, uh, granted more make-a-wishes than anybody else alive, and I think that counts for something.
0: Absolutely. Some people, you know, have done more it. than
1: winning world yeah. titles and, and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. He hadn't done it yet, Kevin, but he, you could tell where his soul was. Yeah. You, you, and, knew, what you, you knew what you were investing in. You knew what yeah, you were, and when I talked to the strength coaches, tell me about John Cena. Well, hell, he's, I had to shut him up. <laughs> he was effusive, first guy in the gym, last guy to leave, captain of the team, great motivator, hardest worker on the team. Blah blah blah. At a very un uh, uh, sizzly position, center. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like he's was the tailback Mm-mm. or the quarterback. He wasn't Tom Brady or somebody.
0: He's in the thick of it.
1: Yeah, yeah man, uh, down in the trenches. So, uh, but Vince was again. If you had this, like. You tell him what time it was, not how to make the watch. He liked uh, respect. He liked to, you to have your thoughts collected and have a beginning, a middle, and an end on your presentation and understand he's managing every facet of that entire company so he don't have time to bullshit. Excuse my language. He didn't have time. Is, is it
0: all right if I shift you over to the company you're with now here before before we, uh, we finish up Absolutely. Here? I hope you do. A uh, great success here recently with all Eat wrestling, a little bit of a change NXT moving its own night on Tuesday nights. You guys having your own and the success has already been profound. Number one on cable and several different number and several different demographics, blood and guts an amazing success. And now the news you alluded to recently, but now it's confirmed. AEW dynamite back on the road in July. Uh, what is the sentiment in the locker room uh, and with the, with the broadcast team here taking the show back out on the road?
1: It seems like everybody's very excited. You know, Jacksonville's become our home base, the home field. Uh, you know, we feel like we have that home field advantage there. Mm. Every Wednesday night, we we have loyal fans and regulars that come out, and uh, it's a great, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but it's not a different audience every week. There's some we have, you know, you'll have new people sample. But it's a, it's a little predict, not predictable. It's not a good word, but it's just, we're there a lot. You see a lot of regulars, which we love, yeah. but, uh, our talents need to work more in front of a live audience. They need to learn their skill set, let it be refined. There's nothing that replaces working in front of a live paying audience. Uh, we've got a lot of talents that are still in their formative years. We've got talents that haven't traveled that much to wrestle. Only that small bit of time we did after we first launched. And we had some good houses. We had some really good houses. You know, fans are ready for an alternative. So, but the key thing I've always said, when house shows, live events, whatever you want to call them, uh, slowed down or ceased because of COVID and so forth, uh, that hurt us. Because we have so many green talents that need more ring time. So now, uh, they're going to get, we've got three shows, we've got two YouTube shows, uh, and we've got, of course, uh, dynamite on TNT on Wednesday nights, as you mentioned. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think that the being back on the road in front of a fresh audience, a new audience in a new city, it's a new adventure for these kids. And for, and for those of us that have been around a while, you know, I got like 4 million American miles, 2 million Delta miles. I, this travel is not, it's not going to be something new to me. No. Uh, and I don't, I don't have any issues going through TSA and all those things. It is what it is, man. Uh, so I think it's going to be great for our young talents. I want to see MJF do a live promo in front of 10,000 people. Ooh, I want to see, uh, uh, a guy like Darby Allen have a big match in front of a huge crowd. Because I see what he does to the for the five hundred or thousand or seven fifty, whatever it is, are smaller crowds. That's not a small crowd in today's world. Not but, not in
0: today's world, no.
1: No, nah, not in today's world, but when we get back out in those arenas, I, you know, we've got tickets sold that have been sold for a year that people didn't even ask for a refund. They they were comfortable knowing that we would eventually be there and they had a good seat and they're excited about coming to see us. I think our, I think our live event business, Kevin, is going to be phenomenal and I don't want to jinx us. I think that society is in general ready to go live again a little bit.
0: Uh, Concerts, I, I,
1: ball games, whatever oh, it may be.
0: Big time. And is it is the emails are filling up and I'm getting more requests about interviews to promote things that are, possibly in, uh, close to being announced and different things that's that that goes well outside of wrestling, but let me ask you this as so, as someone uh, a statesman of the business, if you will, with AEW hitting the road WWE talking about potentially having WrestleMania, or excuse me, SummerSlam this year at a, at a major major arena in a major city. Uh, it's a good time for the industry. What do you think the industry could have can learn from this period where you were where we were performing with either limited audiences or no audiences or virtual audiences that can be then transitioned back as we get back to the the normal we remember is there some lessons you think that need to be retained from the industry as a whole going back into this this period on the other side of the pandemic?
1: I think we have to understand that our storytelling is the most important thing that we do. Episodic television has got certain elements that come along with it, part of the package. I think we all you know. It's amazing to me that, you know, I've gone on TV on raw back in the day without even a completed format, like nothing because the writers had events that had trouble settling on something mm-hmm. and it's like dominoes falling. Uh, you have to fix this before you can fix this. So we'd go out there and we'd know what the first match was and what the traffic was for that. to get out of the segment, like a commercial break or whatever. And then we'd wait for our formats to get out there. Might be the second or third segment of the show. Tony Khan is so ahead of things that we'll know what he's going to book for next week before we go on the air. Like Wednesday night, we have a hell of a show lined up. It really is. It's like a pay-per-view level show. And uh, it's really, really impressive, the matches we got. And I'm an old school guy. I'm looking forward to, uh, the God and Moxley, because I know it's going to be a very physical, hard hitting old school pro wrestling match. Uh, I love the story coming off Darby Allen getting knocked down these stairs. on these concrete stairs that somehow he survives and he's, he's beat all to hell in the storyline, he's got to fight Miro for the uh, TNT title. I think Miro is just awakened uh, here lately to be what Miro should have been all along. I don't care about his doing comedy. I don't care about, uh, you know, the video game things and all that shit. Excuse me again. It's okay. It, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. And again, I'm 69 years old, Kevin. Hell, I I'm way passive. You know, I used to play, I got a 1980 something pinball, a WWF pinball machine in my home in Oklahoma. that Vince gave me, <laughs> Went to his office one day. And I said, "I had a meeting in a little office next door to it on the second floor. We were on the fourth floor, uh, I think, the second floor." I said, uh, "Hey, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that that video game?" <laughs> and he said, "I don't know. We have a video game." I said, "Yeah, you got a video game." <laughs> he said, well, "You want it?" I said, "I'd love it." <laughs> I'll, I'll he he talked to the secretary in there and tell him are the building guys, you know, the tell them to take that video game to Jr.'s house. They That time I got home that night from work, the video game was in my house. So he's in that regard. He's a sweetheart. He didn't have to do that. He could have blown me off, but he saw that that, that, that had value to it. And, and God knows what it's going to be worse someday. Mm-hmm. It's one with he and Heenan on the.
0: Oh no, 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 that that's definitely gonna be worth something. Yeah, yeah,
1: this was great. So, uh, uh, anyway, he's a he's unique. He's a unique dude. You just know how you just know how you just had to know how to communicate with him, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And like all alpha male decision makers, they command a certain level of respect. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to go out of your way to provide that respect, you're going to have a hard time traveling too far down that road
0: we traveled down a road here. Great conversations. I would love just to sit under the, the very deep, deep peach tree from Atlanta that you've grown there in terms of the knowledge you have. I'm very, very thankful of the time. Studio Sessions is available now with your subscription on adfreeshows.com. Of course, Grilling JR. Get it wherever your podcast apps are available. You can get it early if you're getting it on adfreeshows.com without right. ads. And, of course, AEW Dynamite, Wednesday nights on TNT and the TNT app. Jim, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it.
1: It's going to be a uh, a really fun week of TV for us. And I'm uh, really glad I had the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, I think this week's show is going to be very much talked about. And, uh, you know, coming off of the uh, blood and guts and nestling in between blood and guts and our next pay-per-view. This show is getting a lot of attention. Ticket sales are very good. So uh, I'm uh, hopefully folks will tune in. You're going to see a good wrestling show. It's strong. It's heavy on wrestling, and I, I love that. I, I Maybe I'm just, it's my age or what have you, but I like comedy. <laughs> but I like comedy when it's done by people that are good at it and not people that are trying to imagine themselves as comedians. <laughs> Our guys came here to wrestle, and I'm glad that that's what we do, and we do it very well. And I'm so proud of these kids. Uh, like I mentioned, all these guys, you know, the Santa Guevara's, and MJS and all these guys, you know, my boy uh, uh Jungle Jack. His fans still get pissed at me if calling Jungle Jack. I never understood the problem with that. I don't understand <laughs> it either. I, I I didn't know it was gonna cause any controversy. They said you're you're not gonna get him over saying that. Well, okay, let's see. So he's getting over. Uh and you know, I just Wardlow. I look at Wardlow and said, Man, I go back at every generation that I, I've been in the seventies on forward. There's not a booker that I ever worked for that would not have embraced and loved having Wardlow on the roster. Wardlow's is going to be our, I believe this is not for Tony Khan's lips because that's, that's not the way I work. But in my opinion, Wardlow could be our next big thing here. Mm. And I, uh, great attitude, Kevin, smart. Uh, polite, got integrity, character, and uh, I uh, love being around those kids. So, for me, being the oldest guy on the roster, uh, I love the, I love the, I love the, that position I'm in. I'm Uncle JR to a lot of them, good old JR to some of them. And the ones that know me a long time, like Jericho, I'm still Jim. He may be the only guy in the whole damn company that calls me Jim. <laughs> so, I'm living my dream. Uh, Tony Khan, you know, After Jan got killed, I was in a really tough spot, man. Mm -hmm. I was lost and I was alone and she and I had no children and my other two children were grown and living their own life, doing their thing. And not that they bailed out on me, but they didn't, but I was a lot of, I was a lot of isolation and I realized that's not good for me because good old J.R. or Jim or Jim Ross or anybody else, any name left of his own devices, sometimes makes some really stupid decisions. (laughs) So I need to grow up, I guess at some point in time, but nonetheless, I'm very blessed right now. And I think that our company is growing in the right way. Uh, and we're going to get nothing but better and better. I truly believe that. And when I leave this post, I want to leave it saying I helped a lot. I helped as much as I could in the last X number of years. And I devoted everything I had to helping these kids, these young guys excaliburs of the world, whatever, uh, to get better at their, at their craft. So it's been a real good uh, run for me. And I told Tony, I said, I, I'm not so sure it didn't save my life because I don't, I, I had lost my will to do anything. Hell, I didn't even want to
0: shave. I didn't want to go outside, man. I was so, Was it just the work? Was it the ability to just embrace work and, and find purpose in that re- like re- that reinvigorate you? It
1: did reinvigorate me. It, because, but I, I enjoyed the, Process of working in the AEW system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love being a teacher. I love being a coach. I love being a mentor. And you know, I just, uh, I just, I just uh, love the experience. It was so unlike being in WWE. And I'm not throwing, you know, darts at WWE. It's going to sound that way. I'm mm-hmm. not. No. It's a bigger corporation. It's a bigger outfit. It's not as personal.
0: It has different challenges too. Different, yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. Challenges. So uh, I'm very blessed with what I'm doing, and and I told Tony I, I thank you for it every week. Thanks for having me here. I, I I am very blessed to be able to work for you and this company. And tonight you get the best of my whatever I got. You're getting it all, and that'll be that way this week as well. Too many good wrestlers have have significant and important matches in their careers to not given the best effort I got and, and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll sound that way on television.
0: Jim, thank you so much for the time. As, hey, as I mentioned, it's always special to chat with you. Uh, once again, at freeshows.com, studio sessions, an exciting thing to listen to. If you're a fan of wrestling media back in the day and, and, and Conrad chatting them up, well, you're going to hear some conversations that started all those stories and those deep dives right. as the, as those conversations actually happened. Uh, so thank you so much for the time, Jim. Appreciate it. Good health to you and everyone at AEW and, and stay safe here on the road as you guys get back out there in July. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it very much. Always here for you if I can help you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim. Appreciate the time. Okay, bud. See you. Have a good one. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I worked in, uh, broadcasting. So this.